0: It's time to get your fitness on with the nation's premier personal trainer and wellness coach, Ben Greenfield, each week on Ben Greenfield Fitness here on Podcast One. Need more fitness advice? Join Ben this week as he meets up with podcast legend Adam Carolla on The Adam Carolla Show. Download Ben Greenfield Fitness every Wednesday and don't miss Ben on The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelizzola here with Sam Monson. It is February 25th as we record, which means it is NFL Combine Week. And Sam, Combine Week for us is a little bit earlier than most because we go down and meet with all of our NFL team clients. That's all 32. Uh, So the teams get there a little bit earlier. They'll be there as early as Monday. Uh, At PFF, we'll have meetings all week with the teams. And then the players start to trickle in on Thursday, I believe it is. And then they'll start working out Friday through Monday. So we've reached underwear olympics week
1: wow yeah it's exciting yeah by the time that's the that's the crazy thing about combine week is that the it's a complete it's almost like two different weeks right the teams the teams and the businesses and the guys sort of showing off their wares and the things they could do to sell the teams and all this kind of thing all that happens and is almost packed up and gone by the time anybody rolls around to do workouts like that's that happens later in the week almost on on a completely independent timeline um, and when those guys start taking place, the video guys, the backroom staff of of a lot of teams have already bailed they've they've gone home, and you're only left with the personnel guys watching the workouts that are left it's It's kind of fascinating dynamic of the whole thing there's There's the combine that everybody sees on t v but then there's this whole back end week that happens before the the sort of combine proper where all the business is done and all these guys kind of communicate and kind of deal with the next year's worth of uh, business.
0: That's where we've historically pitched PFF products. That's where we've met with teams and went from, you know, having one team to all 32. We're going to try to bring you guys some behind the scenes look, uh, some looks at what is happening, some of the business that is done and what's going on behind the scenes at the NFL Combine. So we're excited about that, bringing the whole video team down there. You're going to be in charge of that, Sam, and really um, trying to give the fans a look at what's happening there. I want to touch on some big NFL news, though. Okay. Um, last week, you know, we started last pod, the last podcast, um, with me announcing that I did not get the Bengals' defensive coordinator job. I didn't. And uh, you despite know, Renner, the pitch, I thought it was a good pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Renner was here to to console, yeah. you know, shoulder to cry on, someone to lean on in our trying times. But as I said, you know, it was a good experience. You know, to at least be a part of that process, to at least be considered, you know, and use that going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, However, someone from PFF did get an NFL job. Yeah. Just a few days ago, announced just a few days ago, which, by the way, we should have... Why did we decide... Why did we not break this news? We were told not to. We were? Right. We should have asked permission because we had this days before Schefter. Right. I mean, days yeah. I even know the college job that he turned down as well. Mm, as too. do you. Yeah. Yeah. He turned down a college we job. We have information that Schefter doesn't have. Can we break that? Are we allowed to break that? Zach turned down a college job to go get that Rams interview. Uh, but that was it. Zach Robinson, a senior analyst here at PFF, now the assistant quarterback coach with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, that was announced this weekend by Adam Schefter. Yeah. Pretty cool not for us. Zach.
1: Not, not us. We yeah. did not break it. Shefter. We didn't break Shefter
0: it. announced it, even though we knew. So, yeah, let's let's discuss what the Rams are getting okay. with Zach in his uh, quick history of PFF. Um, two years he spent here. Uh, did a fantastic job. Uh, year one for him was kind of like learning the PFF system and the process, um, which is what everybody has to do. We've had other former coaches and former players come in. Year one um, and I don't want this to come away, come across the wrong way, but they almost have to like learn, not relearn how to watch football, but learn how to watch football through our eyes because we do things completely differently. He did a good job of learning the system, uh, grading games, and, and just you know learning what we do. And then by year two and three, he started to take the quarterback grading, because he's been here three years now, actually, started to take the grading and just take it to a whole new level. He watched every single quarterback pass over the last two years had the final eyes on every single nfl grade Um, so it was great he was a just a huge contributor to the company and i think when you look at that experience that he had literally watching every single quarterback throw over the last two years and his understanding of the entire nfl now and every quarterback just invaluable what the rams are getting he's probably the only
1: coach in the nfl that can say that absolutely i have watched every single throw in the nfl over the last two years I, I would be willing to bet pretty good money that there's no other coach in the NFL can come close to saying that. Like, yeah. that is – a he- I and mean, as much as we talked before about the idea that, you know, in scouting, it's important that, to watch all of it. You know, not just these three games or these games against this opponent. Watch all of it because you never know what you're missing when you don't see the games that you can, don't, don't have time for. Right. So – you know, there's other quarterback coaches in there. You know, Pat Shermer went into the, the New York Giants job. First thing he did was watch every single Eli Manning throw. I mean, Zach has Zach watched, did it. All right, Zach already did that. Zach has already watched every throw from every other quarterback that took a snap over the past two years. That is a huge advantage he has over anybody else.
0: Yeah, and so the interesting—I I don't want to get into too many of the details. We're going to try to get an exclusive interview with Zach. He has been off-limits from the media. What if he big-times you? Oh, he might. I talked to him last night. He's like, look, no interviews. So I'm going to try to... He's going to be around the office today, so I want to, you know, packing up his stuff, packing up his locker. Um, I'm going to try to steal an interview. We're going to at least try to get him on camera. He's actually literally
1: going to take his playbook.
0: He's going to take his playbook. He's got got an old playbook. Let's not say which one it is. I don't know if he stole it, but he's got an old playbook sitting on his desk. He's going to literally take his playbook. I hope he leaves it. I like that playbook. It's a good playbook. Yeah. I like to uh, Plus read it every now and use again. that joke all the time. Yeah, bring your playbook. Right, he's going to bring it. Right, he is. If he, ta- if he takes that with him, the joke disappears. But from talking to him, rumor has it. Let me just, you know, I'm reminded every week that the NFL kind of pay attention, pays attention to our stuff. Yeah. They listen to our podcast, they see the YouTube channel and stuff like that. So um, we're kind of reminded of that every week. So just make sure you don't don't piss anybody off, Sam. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the one, one you
1: want to talk you, you want to talk to about that.
0: Well, there's other people that need yeah. that. On the other right, on our sister podcast, feels like there's they, other people that that should be directed to more than me. They need a reminder. That's all I'm saying. Um, so the the fun part about this is, and I tweeted this a few months ago. I would, be, based off what you know, conversations with Zach and, you know, knowing what he knows about quarterbacks, I think he's an asset on the defensive side of the ball. So if I had gotten that Bengals defensive <laughs> coordinator job, I was going to try to bring him onto my staff. Because I think one of the best things he does isn't saying, here are Jared Goffs. Here's what Jared Goff needs to do. It's here's how I would attack Jared Goff. Here's how I would attack Tom Brady and Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz and all these quarterbacks, right? He's got a really good feel for what you should do defensively against these quarterbacks. I would have him on the defensive uh, staff. And I don't know if every QB guru, so to speak, has that same ability. But if I was an NFL team, that is something I would tap into. I do feel like quarterbacks... Know how to attack other quarterbacks. I would have some quarterback minds in the defensive meeting room if I was running an NFL team or involved. Pretty I think sure that'd he'd be a good thing.
1: Who's Zach would turn me down? Yeah. He'd have stayed at PFF rather than be
0: your whatever
1: coach. Well, Special look. assistant to the defensive coordinator.
0: No matter what, the, which way you slice it, it's all a lateral move. Whether he's going from PFF to assistant QB coach with the Rams or to become one of my assistants with the with the Bengals, it's a lateral move from PFF. It's maybe a step down, but now
1: he's on the fast track to be a 2020 head coaching candidate.
0: He is. He ste- so. He is he? I sent him my resume. He's for that stepping
1: reason. in to Zach Taylor's old job. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, so it's a copycat league, right. Sam. And so what happens is when you have a guy named Zach, right. Z, who spells it Z-A-C, uh-huh. you immediately need to replace him with another guy named Zach. But who it's, it's literally Z-A-C. the same role, right? Is, he's
1: yeah. replacing Zach Taylor. Yep. So he is... Re- well, no,
0: I think Zach Taylor was the quarterback That's coach. what I'm asking, yeah. Zach is now... Zach Robinson the is the assistant quarterback, quarterback
1: So it's not the, it's not a like, he's not a replacement for that role. I don't think so. But look, this is his first but NFL Either job. way, with proximity to Sean McVay, his, you know, his path to a head coaching job... Just got dramatically cut. Oh, down.
0: it's huge! So my goal here is to grab Zach Robinson, um, future head coach, after hours at the combine. At least sneak a selfie with me, Zach, and McVeigh. Right, he's going to the combine. Zach, will, yeah, Robinson will be at the combine. Ah, yeah, okay. Tomorrow, he's going to drive down Tuesday. Yeah, just know that. so you know. If you know the, well, I shouldn't have given that out for the paparazzi. Yeah, I don't know when Zach's going. I don't want the paparazzi following him. Uh-huh. Uh, but he will be in Indianapolis at some point. Um, So sometime after hours, I'm going to try to sneak a selfie when he's over there with his new boss, Sean McVay. So this is all part of the master plan. Plus, I already sent Zach Robinson my resume. Mm. Okay. Plus, he used to work for me. I mean, he used to work for me in the video department. We did a whole podcast together for two years. My podcast partner. I mean, we. this is good. This is my experience with the Bengals. You know, as a, you know, my defensive coordinator interview is going to do me well in 2021. You do,
1: if you gave him your fancy coverages idea, he could get it in front of Sean McVay. He could. You've or Wade Phillips. Yourself, he could no, talk no, no, to no, Wade no, Phillips. No, no. Here's the thing, right? you got to ask yourself just how much longer does Wade Phillips have in him? Ooh. So that's a good point. This is what I'm saying.
0: Wade's retiring soon. I'm the next guy, maybe in L.A.
1: You get your coverages, your groundbreaking coverages, particularly because you used the Rams play-action game as part of your whole framework for this. That's right. You I know how to that attack it. in but front of Sean McVeigh and say, hey, look, I know there's no vacancies right now, but here's something. Keep me in mind.
0: You're talking about our secret coverage discussion. That was off-air. Yeah. On-air, people only heard about right. my 12-man defense. Your 12-man defense. the 12-man D. Yeah. Off-air, uh,
1: Steve used our tool, PFF Ultimate, that we sell to teams to essentially redesign coverages. So, you know, we think of a cover two, cover four, cover one, whatever. Steve said, no, 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 no. You're thinking too far in the box. You're trapped inside the box. You need to break out in order to really take coverages to the next level. So what Steve did was say, okay, let's say you're playing the Rams. You say, we know the Rams want to use this play action game first down. So he pulled up every throw that the Rams had on first down play action. Use their heat map. Yeah. Pulled it up in a big heat map, uh, a scattergun chart thing that we have in PFL Ultimate and said, I'm going to use this to let me dictate where my coverage players should Follow the goes. heat.
0: Right. That's what I like to say. Follow the heat. That's, I'm not going to the assign system. them
1: to an area based on you know the X's and O's drawn up on the chalkboard because chalk. nobody's used a chalkboard in the past 25 years, Steve. No. I'm going to use PFF Ultimate and I'm going to use the heat. To dictate where the player should go. Drop to the heat. So, yeah. So you basically reinvented coverages based off the heat map. Now, granted, the first coverage that came up was basically cover two. But you decided that you would invert it in a couple
0: of weird ways. Yeah, I would invert it because um, it, and it, what, what you would do is, you know, in this instance, say like the Rams play action attack never attacks the deep middle. Hmm. So in cover two, I would just widen the safeties a little bit and go to the places where the Rams right. attack. Now
1: widening this, yeah. So widening the safeties is one thing, but you did something
0: else with the safeties, right? I would also have them. Um, yeah, I would have the, the. It would be an inverted two. Hmm. You know, inverted just to mix things in up. What way? The corners are playing cover two. Are the you, safeties well, I thought, are flying to.
1: Didn't, didn't you move the safeties down and have linebackers dropping up?
0: I forget. Look, <laughs> <laughs> there's three different ways to do it. I will. When I when I'm ready to when it's finalized, I'll let you know. Okay. Right, okay. Right. But yeah, the safeties were kind of working down into the box yeah. a little bit. The corners were playing deep and the linebackers to the flat. So it was cover two, but all the um, all the assignments were kind of inverted. And it's kinda like it's sprint to the heat. Yeah.
1: I mean the important thing is here that you're not resting on your laurels having not got the bangles No, job. We're You are change using the game. this as an opportunity. To grow. We're going to change the game. You know, uh, some people, they take it as a knockback. You know, they didn't get the job. They get down on themselves. They go in the tank. It doesn't really work out. You straight to the drawing board and you are reinventing the game. That's
0: how you get successful. I'm still young. Well, not I that mean, young. No, I wouldn't I'm, I'm older than everybody. Both Zachs. Yeah. McVeigh. Yeah. Maybe my time's coming to an end. I don't know. We'll see.
1: I'm just saying, you're taking it the right way. I'm very proud yeah. of you.
0: No, it's funny. So my concept is uh, crazy, yeah, because everything in football is like, well, if you do this, we're going to do the opposite, yeah. and obviously, where teams throw the ball I'm not going to defend of the deep middle of the field. Yeah. I'm going to say they might take a shot there. Um, but I would be fascinated if elements of just o- essentially overcommit over to tendencies on defense, which I don't think is you know, it's not like that's different. Uh, you know, I'm sure teams are already doing that to a point, but overcommitting to where the tendencies or like the heat map, or you know, in these situations, I think that would be a viable strategy. Well,
1: what was fascinating to me about that before you took it off into a you know into Crazy Town was the idea that all right, I'm playing the Rams on first down. What should I be calling? Because like I say, when you pulled up the heat map, basically showed cover two. Right. So where that, the, okay, if yeah, my if coverage know, defenders
0: would go right. to a cover two shell. If but, you want to know what you should be calling on first down play action against the Rams, let's start with cover two. But I think that's because they see so much cover one, cover three, so they're attacking the places right. where, that, where the holes the are because that's the opposite you, of cover you two. You at least know
1: what you should be starting with. right? right? Now, maybe you don't want to show them cover two. No, I It's would, not to say you need to line up in cover two and say, right, now target us. No, I would disguise it. Right, you disguise right. it. You show cover one, you roll to two, whatever. The point is that would get you a head start to know what you should probably end up in yep. you know, as opposed to essentially what do we want to do here eh, cover one right right like that sh- would give you the sort of the what you should probably look to roll to and then hope that they don't call something you know outside of the box and
0: everybody's calling cover one cover they're calling cover three on early downs because they want that eighth man in the box to stop the run and all that fun stuff but we're going to be playing the pass first yeah Right, so we don't we don't care that much. And obviously, about the
1: it's run. more complicated than that because formations will dictate yeah, of all course. this kind
0: of stuff. But it, you know, it's a good. I teach my guys formation adjustments. That's a whole different level of yeah. teaching.
1: But it's a good starting point with some of this stuff, as opposed to just well, they they dialed up quarters at the wrong time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, right. Maybe if they'd known this, they wouldn't have done that because they know the tendencies would target that.
0: The heat map stuff that they do have in Ultimate, that all 32 teams have access to, is interesting if you. Dig into it and yeah. uh, different ways to uh, to use it. Anyway, I think the Rams are getting a good one in Zach. Um, again, I commend him for uh, taking to the PFF system, helping to make it better. He was a valuable resource that we had in the room here. He also it wasn't like he was pulled straight out of PFF data collection. I mean, he had been training NFL quarterbacks on the side. He was out in California training a whole bunch of NFL draft prospects. I still haven't heard the whole story on how this came about. We
1: let him out of the building. That was our mistake. Yeah. We should have just kept him locked away like
0: everybody else at PFF in the dungeon. I don't know if he heard the count. Did we even make a counteroffer? I don't think so. And and look, and listen, I love... There's a lot of
1: hardball negotiation going on at PFF these days. Well, listen... No counteroffer to Zach. You, it was just like...
0: I mean, good luck But this might open things up. A lot of our listeners, and I appreciate all of our listeners and our viewers... They stepped in and they said, there we go. There's the money open for Steve. Yeah. Right? I mean, we appear So to now be, Zach's salary's out.
1: I'm just saying, we appear to be perfectly
0: prepared to let you test the open market. Well, that would be a mistake. I mean, would it? Wait till, wait till the connections I make at the combine. Well, you're going to need you to have watch. a big combine. You watch. I'm going to get more <laughs> offers on the table. <laughs> you are going to need to be networking the hell out of the oh, I am. the combine. Oh, because at the be.
1: moment, it seems like the strategy is to let you test the open market- and then
0: come crawling back to a lower offer. The McVay se- once I have the McVay selfie I mean that needs to get on social media the I'll a second head coaching you job. It. I'll have a head coaching job before that. So
1: by the way, what is the height difference between you and McVay? Large? He's he's not a tall man.
0: No. It's all right. He's already familiar with my work, I know. Yeah.
1: He's a big fan. I mean, but I'm just saying, in order to get a selfie, like, we're going to need a oh, box we'll sitting. We need we'll a box for him or something. He's we'll sitting down. Or you're going to need to do that stoop thing you have to do every time you sit next to
0: the tv i am not stooping i am standing <laughs> do not give the secrets of the youtube channel <laughs> to our podcast <laughs> listeners you think they haven't worked that out by now i am standing barefoot steve bent at the knees <laughs> to keep his head into the shot look once we get our new studio <laughs> that will all be squared away until then we need to make do with. is our that part
1: little- of the design specs we, we need to be able to put Steve back there and not have him barefoot and stooping. I sure hope so when we've got the new studio. You should probably make sure of that because otherwise somebody's going to be Yeah, we there. have a big enough background that I right. could somebody's stay. Somebody's going to be building a thing and you're going to have shoes. to crouch again.
0: Anyway, um, it's going a great podcast. We're just um, we're just talking football. Mm. Just talking ball, as they say. Do you have anything else you want to say? What Zach's bringing to the table for... Uh, for the Rams?
1: Well, like I say, I think it's huge that he's he's the only coach in the NFL that's able to say he's watched every single throw of every single player over the past two seasons in the league. Nobody is better qualified to understand what the league trends are in terms of passing game. Um, also, not just passing game, but as you said, the defensive side of it as well. He hasn't just seen the passes, he's seen what defenses, what the coverages were, they were, they were targeting. So, yeah, I, I think we anyone that's listened to the podcasts or seen the YouTube videos, knows that Zach was a smart guy, knows what he's doing, knows what he's watching, which you can't always say about people. Uh, I think the Rams have got a really smart guy. And if this Sean McVeigh wagon continues rumbling, he will legitimately propel himself into head coaching conversations pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, so like I said, he had two offers. Uh,
1: How, is that now? That's two former PFF staffers. On coaching
0: staff in the though. NFC West now. Well, that's true. They're going head to. We got Bobby, Bobby versus Zach. Yeah, Bobby's going to be. He's Except Bobby's now
1: offense, right? He got moved. I don't know if that's um, public information yet. Oh,
0: well, well, it is now. How oh, well, about that? We go news. scoop. Take that one, Schefter. I don't know if that's public information yet, but Bobby Slowik was on the defensive side the last two years with may San May not Francisco. be anymore. May not be anymore, according <laughs> to uh, sources. Yeah, which may be Bobby himself, mm. and then um, Zach. Public knowledge. Yeah. The assistant quarterback coach at the Rams. They're both in the NFC West. Imagine if we just accidentally scoop Shafter. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, our podcast numbers, millions would turn into 10 millions. Yeah. you know, Tens of millions. We should
1: definitely put that in the title somewhere. Yeah. Scoop Shafter.
0: With a coaching scoop. Sam Monson. There you go. So, yeah. Good, uh, good stuff. What else? Anything else about Combine Week? We're, we'll do a Combine preview. I'll have Renner on here later in the week. We'll, we'll preview the actual workouts and different things like that. Do you want to do it? I'm just saying. Look, there's I this, want you to be a part of draft content.
1: constant embarrassing a- attitude like I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to the draft. Oh, I no, was sitting it's there simply because grinding re- running back tape the other day because obviously running backs are the most important position in today's NFL. That's where we've put you. Right.
0: Okay, so Renner and I actually had a pretty good nuanced running back discussion the other day. Um, so much so that you know, our, our instagram, the people running our Instagram channel, Sam mm-hmm. were like, "Hey, we should put this on instagram okay that's how that 's how much they liked it. well, me and Eric did one a while ago, the people that work for you um, it's a, It was a more nuanced running back discussion, not like hey running backs don 't matter forget it we 're trying to explain to people some of the reasons behind it, and why Josh Jacobs, who you watched, was number forty one on our draft board, and the point that I, that I made was we 've got we 're going to get Pushback from people who are like, man, I see him going top 10. You idiots. How is he number 41? And then we're getting pushback from Eric and George who are like, you idiots. How is he as high as 41? Put him in the fifth round. Hmm. He should be like number 180 in the draft board. But you know, we came back to this whole like the, the difference in skill isn't enough to change the difference in production. Essentially what it is when it comes to running backs.
1: Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, we've had this discussion. You had it before. Me and Eric had it. Not long before that, it's been hot several times. Oh, that's it. You yeah. don't want
0: to add anything else to it. No. So, did you see anything out of which which running backs did you watch? Let's give me. Here's Sam's draft minute, brought to you by. I, I don't appreciate the what? Uh,
1: dismissive tone you gave. Let me that. hear
0: Sam's draft minute on run, uh, the draft running backs that you watched. Go ahead. Look, I think Josh Jacobs. Can was, we get a solo just solo shot on I'm Sam? Have to move into here. I'll just get out of the way. Josh Jacobs
1: was a fantastic running back prospect. I was most impressed by his work as a receiver, which is obviously the most important part of being a running back, Right is how good he is in the passing game, which is exactly the same as it was for Saquon Barkley a year ago. Um, I didn't realize how much Alabama had lined him up out wide, like split out as a legitimate wide receiver. It, not only did they do that, but they actually used him as a receiver. It wasn't just let's run him as a gimmick play, have him jet motion, all that kind of stuff. He was used as a wideout, and he had wide out skills. There were plays in there where he's catching contested catches. He's using strong hands, keeping hold of the ball. He's making wide receiver adjustments deep down the field. Jacobs looked really legit. Um, now, I really like David Montgomery from Iowa State uh, from the tape you made me watch in the summer heading into the season. I still like him, but he's not the same kind of receiver. Like, he'll be a useful guy out of the backfield, right. but he's not, he doesn't have that wide receiver skill set that Josh Jacobs has. Um, but he still has that freaky ability to just move at the last second and avoid those critical big hits. Um, I really like Montgomery. I like Singletary, Devin Singletary from FAU. FAU, Florida Atlantic. Um, way more than I did in the summer, actually, from that tape. I thought he got a lot better this season. Seems to have more quickness about his game, more immediate burst than he did um, this time a year ago. So I, li- I like Singletary as well. I think this. actually the more I looked at this class – the more I think this is a really good running back class and potentially even better than last year's that I was pretty high on. Um, so, yeah, that's my minute. In nice. a time where running backs could never
0: be less important, this is a really good time to get a running back. We put you on the most important positions yeah. to evaluate. Who do you want to do next? Which, which positions? I, All which I want is, to look at next.
1: I just don't want to be stuck with a bunch of six-foot-two corners that you keep making me watch. Well, you need play. to start
0: watching the entire draft class. Can't, we have I'm a just, lot of draft just content saying, coming up I'm, that you're a part of.
1: I'm not watching any... Crappy six foot two corners. I've had enough of them. I can't deal with it anymore. There are some good ones. Well, find them for me. Present them to me because I'm not Justin watching, Lane. Greedy not watching Williams. the terrible ones again. In order to find them, last year you made me watch some absolute abominations of football players claiming that they were good because they were six two.
0: And I just no. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. We anymore. had to put on the list the guys that the NFL might like. So we have to have a take on them. Have who to- was
1: the guy? Who was was it? Florida State had one who was one of the worst corners I've ever seen, and ended up getting drafted in, like, the sixth round. Who was that? Oh, yeah, McFadden?
0: Yeah. people had, like, the
1: first round. It was
0: terrible. There was a point where he, he was a uh,
1: potential first-rounder. Right. So I'm just saying, don't bring those people to me anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm not waiting through his tape again. You're going to have to you find don't, legitimate first-round players. You don't get to decide. Present them to me, and I will therefore, w- I will then watch them. You will watch the draft class as you're supposed to. No, I'm not watching players like that. My you don't pick and choose. Kind of deal with
0: it. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I just have. People think we hate each other. Yeah. Can what we? actually
1: I hate is terrible six-foot-two corners. Can't
0: understand why. Why are you so anti-height? I'm not anti-height. Am anti-useless height? Do you have any NFL news we can discuss? Uh, no. Kyler Murray at 206 pounds? Yeah, there's no way that's true.
1: Why not? What? Have you seen what a 206-pound guy looks like at 5'9"? Well, this
0: was like when Vernon Hargrave showed up to the combine with like a completely different body type. He went from like a skinny guy to quads that were four times as big as they were during the season, and he was like 5'11", 215. it's like, that is not the guy that played football in Florida. A
1: 206-pound guy at 5'9"? Let's call him five ten. Is big water weight. You get a lot of water weight, right? But he wouldn't be that now. He would so, be that like the day of the combine.
0: So that's one of my favorite uh, combine stories. I'll name, I'm going to name drop a long snapper right now. Long yeah. snapper. Yeah, Zach Diossi. Okay. Long snapper for the Giants. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My workout partner back in 2007. Yeah, and he knew that the Patriots, the local New England Patriots, were kind of on him. The Giants, and that was when those teams had those. You know, we need our linebackers to be at least 250. Yeah. And I think he was weighing in at like 247. He was chugging water before the weigh-in just to get to 250 because the Giants and the Patriots and some other teams had this cutoff where they wanted guys 250 plus. He weighed in at 250 because of it. And got drafted by the Giants in the fourth round as a linebacker and then didn't play one snap at linebacker. He's been a long snapper ever since. made some money. All because of three pounds of water weight. (laughs) So, Kyler Murray, drink a lot of water. Yeah. That's my advice. Yes, I
1: think that there's the degree to which that makes sense at the combine. I'm just saying, given his body shape at the moment, if he is under five ten, I there's no way he weighs. There's no way he plays two oh six or anything like it.
0: What was Cousins a couple years ago? I didn't realize how slight he is. Kirk? Yeah, I mean, somebody said he was playing at like one ninety five or two oh two. Okay, let's discuss this. QB durability. Two oh two is his listed weight yeah and he might have been under that a couple and years he's ago, six three yeah qb durability everybody's like oh you need a big strong guy that could take hits uh-huh qb durability has more to do with playing style than size we see cam newton get hurt all the time carson wentz the last two years big ben well, Andrew so, luck are yeah. the perfect prototype joe flacco prototypical perfectly sized quarterbacks to handle the nfl game it's about playing style and taking hits.
1: But also, just being large doesn't necessarily mean that you're better equipped to actually take the hit. No, it doesn't. Like, it, just just having more things to get hit doesn't make those things inherently stronger. No, I don't think so either.
0: I, look, I, so then, out of the slight guys who have gotten hurt, like RG3 and Michael Vick, it's because they were terrible at uh, not taking hits. Right. They didn't know how to slide. Vick played they in a suicidal hits. manner every right. play. But guys like... Russell Wilson who does have this like I mean he's pretty, pretty stocky. He's stocky, right? right? He's but he has a knack for not getting hit. Colin Kaepernick had a knack. You got it. also pretty big. I mean. But no, but he had a knack these guys didn't take big hits. Right. They knew but these, I'm talking about guys that ran but or run. But he's a big guy. I understand that. But I'm saying their playing style allows them to not take big hits because Kaepernick had this knack to know how fast he needed to run to run out of bounds. Wilson has the same Idea. They know how to avoid hits. Vic, RG three. They don't. Lamar Jackson's not good at avoiding hits. I do worry about his durability. Again, not because he's slight, but because he just, you know, just gets in there like. But a he is, jack.
1: and he hasn't broken down yet. Not yet. And he's been running to the ground for his first half. Year. First, yeah. I mean, all like, time we'll see what happens. I have but. yet to see evidence that suggests simply being larger makes you inherently more durable well
0: that was like jared goff when he came out weighed 215 and it's like oh he's frail right but carson wentz big strapping young man 245 or whatever and wentz has missed the end of the last two seasons
1: and had a career injury history in college like he was the guy with the injury history right had more of an injury history in the nfl had a better offensive line protecting him in college than goff whose line was trying to kill him a cow and goff is the guy that's fine and wentz is made of glass so there you go, yeah. So just because, anyway, all these things are like the idea that yes, Kyler Murray's size is legitimately unprecedented. There is if he wa- if he comes in at under five ten, there will be no quarterback with which to compare him. Like Doug Flutie is the closest, and Doug Flutie was like five ten or whatever, right? So it's completely uncharted territory. But because it's uncharted territory, one we've conclusively dismiss the idea that being short leads to batted passes doesn't never has never will yes it's hard to see over offensive linemen but you don't get more batted passes at the line if you're short than if you're tall last year the two quarterbacks that led joe flacco led the nfl in batted passes right joe flacco 6-6 i don't think anybody cares about the batted passes they do so. kirk cousins led the nfl in batted pass rate right and basically if you put it on a Put it on a piece of paper. No matter what level you're looking at, there's no correlation at all between size and batted passes. So one, dismissed. Yep. Two, you're small. You're going to get hurt. You're too small. Can't play at that level. You're going to get hurt. Again, there's, there doesn't appear to be a correlation. Big guys get hurt just as much as small guys. It's way more about how often are you exposing yourself to stupid hits. The, I mean, what you need to ask yourself is, is your quarterback, regardless of his size, going to get hit during the course of the season? And the answer to every single quarterback is yes, to which any given hit can end your quarterback season if you're unlucky. Derek Carr was hit less frequently than any quarterback in the league a couple of years ago. The one sack that his left ankle gave up that year broke his ankle and derailed his career. Now, unless you're telling me that your offensive line can completely protect your quarterback, he will not be hit for the entirety of this game or the entirety of this season then how big he is doesn't matter because any one of those hits can end his year.
0: I mean, so it's like, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. The reason why he got hit, or why he ended his career, is because... In st- ended his career? Let's try ours. this again. That's breaking news. The reason- <laughs> <laughs> now we're scooping Shafter. The reason why Jimmy G's season ended last year, got that now? Yeah. Is because instead of choosing to just run out of bounds, he chose to take an extra hit. The reason why he hurt his shoulder when he was in New England is because he was rolling to his left, and where I think the smart quarterbacks just say, okay, I'm going to throw this one away. You time it up. Like, I'm going to throw this one away before I get hit. He kind of tried to wind up, make a play down the field, and took the hit that smashed him on his shoulder. The same thing happened to Matt Moore with the Dolphins that same year. It's that split-second decision where throw it away quickly, save myself, versus try to make a play, knowing that I'm essentially giving the defense a free shot where he's going to slam me on my shoulder or collarbone. So you see players do that. It's kind of their fault at that point. Yeah. So Garoppolo not running out. Garoppolo's done this twice now. And I don't think this has anything to do with his frame. I think it has to do with his decision-making within the game to take a hit or to make
1: a play. Well, also, this one, it wasn't even the hit that did it. Well, It, it was, was the cut. But he still just, should have just ran right out of bounds. I agree. But the point is, he planted, tried to make a cut-up field, right. and his knee exploded. Now, he's 6'2", 225, and his knee just exploded for no reason. Like again, you can't say, "Well, if only he'd been bigger, like his knee would have maintained structural yep. integrity when he tried to cut up field."
0: And he made the same play essentially that Drew Bledsoe did right. when he got hurt. The Bledsoe point had is, a perfect frame.
1: The point is, any given hit can break a quarterback. Any given cut in the ground can make your knee just implode. This is a game where people get hurt, and at the moment, I've yet to see any evidence of being a small quarterback will make you get hurt more often than being a big quarterback. So if you're looking at Kyla Murray and saying, well, he's too small to play at the next level, that's fine. I, I said this before, that there are people that are going to say, he's too small for me. I don't want to take that risk. To which I would answer, okay, that's a legitimate opinion, but you need to be able to articulate why. And if your answer is, he's going to get past his bad at the line, or he's going to get hurt more, I would ask you to prove it because what? so far Honestly, there's no think, evidence that says that.
0: I think it's more field vision than anything. I think people have a right. bigger issue with and field that's fine, vision.
1: But again, you simply need to articulate what your problem is and then prove to me on tape that it's a problem because so, it isn't so far.
0: So to be fair, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, your classic six-foot quarterbacks that have had success. You've got to throw Baker in there in a minute. But Brees and Wilson do have this unique style that mitigates their height a little bit, right? Breeze is always like He's trying to stand as tall as possible, trying to see over everybody. He's also just at this special level of anticipation and accuracy and all that stuff, right? That mm-hmm. um, offsets a lot of those things. Um, so he has to mitigate his height a little bit. Wilson, while he can play from the pocket, still does most of his damage outside the numbers, and he does a ton of damage outside the pocket, right? So that's his way of kind of dealing with that. He doesn't have the best vision in the middle of the field. I think compared to Wilson some other is going to be a
1: great comp for Kyler Murray with that style because so Baker got tagged last season for being an undersized quarterback. Baker's six one two fifteen. So you're talking about three, four inches in height difference between Baker and Kyler Murray and whatever that ends up being a chunk of extra size, right? Girth. So Baker was tagged to being undersized and he's a completely different size human being from Kyler Murray. But and so the same is true with Russell Wilson, obviously, right? Wilson's going to be, Wilson's what, 5'10", but he's 2'15", so he's a hell of a lot bigger, whatever. My point is that Kyler Murray is probably going to have to play in a similar way to Russell Wilson in terms of manufacturing himself some better vision. So yeah, if you're yep. 5'9", you're not going to see over a guy at 6'5", standing in your face. And if you have a bad offensive line, they're going to be standing a lot closer to your face than they would be if they were a good offensive line. But... The way Russell Wilson bails from clean pockets a lot of times or just simply moves around behind the line of scrimmage by opens him up a bunch of vision lanes that other quarterbacks don't have. A 6'5 guy working from the pocket kind of times have a much narrower field of vision because the things closing in around him and everyone in front of him is 6'5 as well. He's now working from a very tight enclosed space with not much vision. Russell Wilson does a little dance, bails out to, to the flat, and suddenly he's got a wide open field in front of him. Now, okay, he's closed off some options that he would have had otherwise because now he's on one side of the field or whatever. But we've seen from Kyler Murray's tape that he can do a lot of those things. And whereas some of these quarterbacks that have that freaky level of athleticism will start to move, and the second they start to move, they're running. They're going to they're gonna pick it up with their legs. And yeah, they're right. not interested. He does a lot of that Russell Wilson stuff where he starts moving around, which just it's, it's, uh, spaces out everybody. It makes them start to run around to, to chase him and opens up holes. But then he takes advantage of those holes. He slides into the open space and delivers a pass. I think you'll see Kyler Murray at the next level play a lot like Russell Wilson in terms of sometimes getting himself into trouble, but more often than not, essentially buying himself vision that other quarterbacks can't.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I think that there's something to that. Um, There was a discussion on Twitter. Um, All right, let's wrap up with this. I put some QB tears out there on Twitter from the last two years. Um, There was a discussion. George asked me about Kyler Murray. He wanted Kyler to be a little bit higher. Somebody suggested we do a podcast about it, which I'm all for. We could do that down in Indy, have a little discussion where we are. Did you see my tears? Yeah. this is pro- I corrected
1: them for you. Okay.
0: Well, we'll let's discuss where I had them first, and then I'll let you correct them. Okay. Um, this is based on prospects over the last two years. This is also based on people saying that Dwayne Haskins is the best over the last two years.
1: Also, by the way, this is, like, this is PFF's interpretation of the prospects, right? So a lot of people are sort of – well, not a lot of people. Some people are kind of criticizing us for this revisionist history of saying Baker is this amazing prospect because – most people didn't think he was going number one overall until it happened. Right. Whereas PFF said he should be number one overall right. dating back to October.
0: So this is from a prospect standpoint, not like what we know now. Um, but ba- PFF's
1: Baker. interpretation of a prospect is different to everybody else's. So we had Baker as a number one prospect by a distance. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't.
0: All right. So here's, here's what I had. I don't have the tweet pulled up right now, but I'm sure we'll, we'll pull it up for this. Um, Baker Mayfield in a tier of his own. Yep. Number one. Um, Sam Darnold and Kyler Murray I put in the same tier 2 together uh, tier 3 I put Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins and then tier 4 who did I lump in? Lamar Jackson Josh Allen, Mason Drew Rudolph, Drew Locke Everybody and else. is that it? Um, and maybe there's a couple guys from this class but either way that was essentially how I separated them mm-hmm. Okay, so Baker tier number 1 you agree? yes head and shoulders above everyone else Yes. Um, and, and last year at this point, because like, when you put a draft board together, I think we had Baker number one. We had Darnold three or something like that. But it's because it's just this linear board that doesn't capture how much stronger we right. felt about Baker versus Darnold. Um, if I had the number two pick in the draft, I would pick Darnold because I think there was enough to build around uh, with him. I'm saying Darnold and Kyler in the same bucket. You're saying Ooh. you want to move Kyler up and George wants to move Kyler yeah. up.
1: I had, when I corrected your tweet, I gave you... I just can't get Twitter to load. Well, that's unfortunate. I gave you Baker, number one overall, or one in a tier by himself. Yep. But I gave, I put Kyler 1.5. I think the difference between Kyler and everybody else is significant and should be recognized. I also think you maintain and have been all along, you're way higher in Darnold than you should
0: be, Um I think I think he is. I think his strengths are in the right areas to improve, and this is why um, he was one of our most accurate quarterbacks up to 20 yards. Um, and I think the deep ball stuff, where he has he struggled at USC, he struggled last year with the Jets. The deep ball stuff historically we've seen as like an unstable type of deal where guys have improved. So part of my Darnold evaluation is banking on some of that improvement down the field, banking on him being really good at the one to 20 stuff. Also, the thing that definitely separated Darnold for me versus, say, Rosen was his ability to make plays outside of structure, off-script plays. I thought he was fantastic. If he had to quickly evade pressure, throw on the run, get outside the pocket, Darnold had that fourth-quarter magic that he had in college. So for me, it's, it's, it's a little bit of projection, and it's a little bit of maybe overweighing some of the things, um, the high-end stuff that I saw at USC Yeah, that I definitely thought separated him Um, from Rosen George's point on Kyler was his rushing ability I don't I want to get George on the podcast to explain it more but I'll say this if we said the same exact thing about Kyler that we said about Lamar last year which is like build an offense around his rushing ability create open throws and all that fun stuff you could do that with Kyler's rushing ability if you built that same offense using his speed in the designed running game you could build an offense I think yeah and then you look at the two guys as passers, and Kyler's in a whole different league compared yes. to Lamar.
1: Yeah, and I think he's in a different league compared with Darnold as well. I so I could I could maybe get on board with the idea of separating Darnold from the next people. As let well. me
0: let me just finish up real quick. Darnold's also the, the two he he played as a redshirt freshman Did and you as a redshirt sophomore. I swear, it, I'm he's beat still you to death with this laptop. He's still young as a starter. Okay, he's still young as a starter. I was at Elite 11 with both kids, with both Darnold and Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Kyler was making some spectacular plays that week as well. Um, so they are the same age. Um, but one year of production from Kyler is one thing, as great as it was, yeah, that I have more hesitancy with him than someone else. If we had two years of 90-plus PFF grade play from Kyler, I'd feel much better about him.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, as a, as a passer we've seen, I think he's been better than Darnold. He's been every bit as accurate. He's been spectacular is great has been higher Uh, you're right it is only one year but it's not like that's a negative as much as just a question mark yep Um, and you have the rushing ability so if you were just talking about a statuesque pocket passer I would say he's probably a better prospect than Darnold plus he has that rushing ability that completely eclipses anything Darnell has to bring to the table as a bonus so I think you have to separate Kyler Murray I don't Know that he's. I don't think he should be where Baker is because Baker is the most accurate quarterback we've ever seen as a college prospect. He was the best quarterback we've ever seen as a college prospect. He didn't have the rushing ability that Kyler does, but he had three years of insane uh, grading. Plus, the as much as we don't really screw around with the intangibles and that kind of stuff, this idea that he came on as a walk on twice and won the starting job. And then came into a situation this year where he wasn't supposed to start, won the starting job. Well now granted it took a while for them to throw him in there, but he should have been starting. Right. He should have been starting from day one. That there is something to that, which is why I think Baker belongs on the pedestal by himself. But I think the idea that the point I would drive home is that everything we know says that the gap between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray is way tighter than the gap between Kyler Murray and anybody else.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I know that's where the numbers are pointing. I, I'm going to say, though, the stuff that we talked about Baker off the field last year, it's not technically a part of what we do at PFF from a numbers standpoint, but it is a part of the evaluation. And while other people were saying, he's got antics that I don't buy, he's a head case and all that stuff, we're looking at it like, are you kidding me? He is so competitive, and, and that matters. And here's the thing about all that off the field stuff. The PFF take, I think, on all the off-the-field stuff, all the fluff, all the stuff that, like the, mo- like the paragraph after paragraph that goes into these scouting reports, ultimately, it all shows up on the field, right? So if you're too emotional, or you're a head case, or you're, you're not diving into your playbook, or you drink too much, or whatever it is, ultimately, it's going to show up on the field at some point, right? That's where the PFF grade shows up. So if it wasn't a factor in college and you have exceptional grading, and you have exceptional results, give or take, that, that should carry over. I mean, it's not perfect like that, but everything we saw from Baker as far as his, his, his willingness or you know his motivation to prove people wrong, all of that stuff was in his favor. My hesitancy with Kyler is everything's been the opposite right now. Committing to football, only one year of play, his play before his play... But before this past year at Oklahoma, when he was at A and M, was you know it was a small sample size, but it wasn't great. You just don't have these like with Baker. It's just mounds and mounds of evidence building up that he's the best. Kyler, there's just a smaller hill of evidence. Yeah, and that and that is my hesitancy, and that's why I put him and Darnold together. Okay, but it's not like Darnold had this wealth of. Oh, I understand. Data I look. I, I completely him. understand. I could be overrating a few things. In the Darnold analysis, I also love the way he played down the stretch. We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot to build around with Darnold. I think the Jets should be happy for having Sam Darnold. The next tier, though, I put Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins. And, I, and I, people, are, people are all over Dwayne Haskins this week. Yeah. They're loving him. I've seen him compared to Joe Montana. I've seen him called the best prospect over the last two years. I'm, ju- I'm just not seeing it. Dwayne Haskins is good. I like a lot of what he does in the pocket. He was outstanding from a clean pocket. He was playing with awesome playmakers at Ohio State who I think completely, absolutely inflated his stats. He maneuvers the pocket really well. I don't think he has the outside of structure magic that some of these other guys do. I think that's what makes him similar to Josh Rosen. If you give these guys a perfect environment, they can succeed. I also think they do things that look... I made this point about Rosen before. He throws, the, he throws a pretty ball... And when it, when they do it right, him and Haskins, the ball comes out of their hand nice, it looks really great, and I think that gets overrated. I think people overrate aesthetics in the scouting process rather than the how often that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, I think he also, I mean, obviously this wasn't deliberate, but I think his season shaped up nicely to make him look good in the eyes of, you know, talent evaluators. He finished really strongly, he began strongly, and he buried the bad stuff in the middle where nobody really cares about it. Yep. So anybody looking at his tapes is going to be like, well, look at this. You finished. You just look at the development. Because she's kind of burying the stuff in the middle. Is, eh, it doesn't really count. Yeah. So I think that helps him. Um, I, I, there's a lot to like about him. Um, I, we've talked before about how one of the most predictive metrics is how you play from a clean pocket. Because when you take away all of the noise and the variables, you just isolate, right, you're now in a clean pocket. Everything's on rhythm. How good are you? That's what's the most repeatable thing, and therefore it's the most predictable. Uh, Haskins, in the pocket, from a, or in from a clean pocket this year, his numbers are fantastic. His pass rating is like 130 or something. Um, interestingly, Kyler Murray's higher. Uh, but that that's the kind of number that does stand in Haskins' stead and say, yeah, this guy could be a very good quarterback. I don't, I mean, I think we're souring because Rosen was such a disaster this year in the worst situation in the NFL you get this year revision saying well he wasn't that good to begin with I'm not how could you possibly say that Haskins isn't better than this guy
0: I'm not trying to be I'm not saying you are I'm saying saying people people are yeah yeah people are Rosen's good I mean Rosen's potentially a good player we said Rosen is Eli Manning-ish which means the high end is there so and then somebody said to me there was a Darnold supporter who responded to one of my tweets and said Donald's a better player. Guarantee he's going to have a better career. And here's the thing about player evaluation. It's not – it doesn't mean that Baker every single year for the next 15 years will be the best quarterback, and then it will be Sam Darnold, and then it will be Josh Rosen or whatever your ranking is, right? There might be two years out of the next 10 or whatever it is where Sam Darnold has a better grade and better numbers than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Right?
1: Also, just, anybody guaranteeing anything is an idiot. Well, yeah, of course. But, like, look at 2004, Right, Those quarterbacks, Eli, Ben Roethlisberger, Rivers, that's an extreme example in that all three of them have some degree of Hall of Fame argument. Ooh, some degree. Yeah, they do. But you could go through their career. I haven't actually done this exercise, but you could go through their career, and I would imagine all three of them have multiple seasons where you would say those, that's the best one of the three.
0: So oh yeah, each Eli of those th- had 2011 and right. 12, where he was probably the best so guy. So
1: if, like, if you're casting your mind back, you're like, okay, which was the best quarterback from 04? Well, which year?
0: Yeah, so you've got Eli, off the top of my head, 2011 and 12 is outstanding. Right. Plus, one of those years was a Super Bowl year, plus he has a Super Bowl run in 2007. Outside of that, he's number three right. in that group. But he's got two rings. Big Ben has... And I would, I would say that half the of, the of the remaining years, half the years Rivers was the best quarterback of the trio right. and the other half, Big Ben, was the best quarterback of the trio. And then you look back and you're like, all right, that's three very good quarterbacks over time. Eh, two very good quarterbacks over time and well, Eli Hall of Famer. with two and a half good seasons.
1: Right, but the point is, if you cast your mind back and you're like, right, which guy would you say is the best quarterback from that class? It depends what year you're talking about. Yeah, Like I agree. At any point in the last whatever that is 15 years one of those guys could a different one of those guys could be the best of the three
0: but over here's the here's the thing right if you ask the giants right now if they regret essentially trading Philip Rivers for Eli Manning they'd say absolutely not right. i do not regret it we got two super bowls out of it we got a whole bunch of non playoff years out of it too but we got two super bowls out of it we're happy if you had to do the trade over again though and you don't have the foresight but you knew what – you didn't have the foresight of championships, but you knew that Phillip Rivers would play at his level. Eli Manning would play at his level. You would take your chances with Philip Rivers. Yeah. Because he played at a higher level over more time. So essentially, you're just – you're playing the odds. The odds don't always work. You know, you can hit on 16 every now and again and, and hit 21. It doesn't it, – sometimes you, it works. But um, over time, we think Baker's going to be better over time. Yeah. I think Darnold will be better than Rosen over time we're going to we're debating Kyler versus Darnold a little bit in this thing but I'm looking at um, real quick Rosen versus Haskins near identical percentage of negatively graded throws in our system in their last year Um, so Rosen in 2017 Haskins last year negatively graded throws almost identical on passes thrown beyond the line of scrimmage Rosen had higher big time throw percentage also, more turnover-worthy, uh, higher turnover-worthy play percentage. Haskins was lower in both numbers, so a little bit on the safer end of the spectrum. Um, Haskins' ratio of positively graded throws to negatively graded throws was below Rosen. Um, and they were almost identical in their ratio of big-time throws to turnover-worthy throws. So I'm just throwing some some numbers out there that show they're, they're, they've been similar. Um using our play-by-play grading, I think that's a fair tier for the two. And
1: if you're going to be concerned about the one year of data for Kyla Murray, same thing also applies to Haskins. It, well, to be fair, it's also...
0: 600-odd snaps. Yeah. It's also the same thing we had to apply to Mitch Trubisky. Right. Um, and we did like... There was a lot to like about Trubisky coming out. I think, again, as much as... Bears fans think that we hated him this year. It was just he didn't play as well as the numbers showed. That's it. I don't think you'd give up on Trubisky at this point. But that's point. one of those
1: things. I'm, not again, not saying you're doing this. But that's one of those things that people tend to apply selectively. Say, right. If I don't like a prospect, there's only one year of grading here. Or there's only one year of tape. We've got to be concerned about this guy. If I love a quarterback, it's, well, there's only one year. He
0: could develop. Right. You flip it the right. other way. I I I said I tried to use both for and against Trubisky in the past. Right.
1: I, I mean, I'm just saying – but you need to, it needs to be universally applied here. Either it's right. a problem or it's not. And if it's a problem for Kyler, it's a problem for Haskins. And if it isn't a problem for Haskins, it's not a problem for Kyler.
0: It, and I've done – I really want to write something on the, on the site about this. I just need to gather my thoughts on it. But the idea that players just, just go like this, the idea that players just always get better, right, it just isn't true. It mm-hmm. just doesn't happen. Right, so it's not this linear. You're just going to get better every year. Imagine how good you're going to be in year six, yeah. and then in year ten. It's just, you don't always
1: just get better. I mean, especially for quarterbacks, where their job is so dependent <clears throat> dependent on other things. Did your scheme change? Did your offensive line get better or worse? Did your receivers get better or worse? Like you might be the same guy one year to the next, and you're going to look a lot
0: worse. And and so here's the thing about that: the top eight quarterbacks, or so, in the NFL. Right, Brady, Breeze, Peyton, when he was healthy and, and around, Aaron Rodgers, I'd say Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, the last couple of years, right? these uh, Who am I? Big Ben, Rivers, probably. These guys that are pretty consistent in the top eight year over year can handle those differences way better than others. Yeah. The problem that we're talking about right now is that Darnold, Rosen, Haskins, maybe Kyler, all of these guys are most likely in the next tier. Um, I would say Baker and Mahomes now have a chance to be in that top eight tier, right? Where they can uh, transcend issues around them more than others. The issue with the rest of these guys now is they're going to be in that eight to 25 ranking of quarterbacks where they're not completely interchangeable, but the results in any given year could have Mitch Trubisky looking great, or it could have Andy Dalton looking great, or Ryan Tannehill could put up good numbers, or the reverse can be true without a massive change in skill set or player or how they actually perform.
1: Yeah, and that's why those that's guys... NFL. Right, and it's not, I think people just need to understand that that's the dynamic at work, right? It's not that these guys suck and you can't win with them. It's just that in order for us to win a Super Bowl with this guy, we need to strike gold. We need to have a season where his receiving weapons are great, his supporting cast is fantastic, the offensive line is good enough, and this is... I don't, we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about this, but this is the Kirk Cousins argument, right? It's like, okay... You've paid a lot of money for Kirk Cousins. Don't immediately throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have a quarterback that's capable of winning a Super Bowl. But in order for that to happen, because he's in this mid-tier of quarterbacks, you need the offensive line to be good. You need the coaching to be good. You need those receivers to all be good. And it all needs to come together in one year. Otherwise, it's not happening.
0: And just to explain what my, what my that bottom tier that I had, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, I put Mason Rudolph in there and who is drew lock Drew lock missing somebody either way lamar we said yeah there's a path to success it's got to be run game heavy accuracy is an issue josh allen accuracy is an issue you'll get some high-end plays but throw for throw he's just not there yet both lamar and josh allen were exactly what we said coming out in year one you know again there might be some years where they're a little bit better than um than they've been but i mean that's who they are for the most part I think Drew Locke has enough consistency issues that he's in that tier. Uh, Mason Rudolph uh, looked pretty bad in the preseason. I don't even know if the Steelers like him a whole lot. They didn't have him as the number two behind Big Ben. Yeah. But I thought, and I had some doubts about Rudolph, but I still thought he was in that tier based off what we saw in the Big 12. I could be completely off on him, too. We always said about him that he was the toughest evaluation from, he was. of anybody in that class. But I saw I'm going to steal somebody's comp where they said Matt Schaub. If you look at Matt Schaub's career, statistically, was fantastic, but he was in that pristine situation. Right. He had the Kubiak play-action game that elevates quarterback stats. He had that. He ran it extremely well, but also in the Texans in a playoff game, uh, you would never say, "Okay, Matt, go throw the ball forty times and win the game for us." He had to be protected as part of the scheme. Um, I could see Mason Rudolph still being that guy, you know, if given the opportunity. So that's where I was. On the quarterback tiers, you guys can feel free to disagree. You already disagreed? I already fixed it for you. You did. I don't completely disagree with you. We'll see. But um, it's close. We're at least close. People think we hate us. We're in agreement. Mm. Good of. stuff, man. Good discussion. We'll get George on the podcast later to give his take on why Kyler Murray's maybe in the Baker Mayfield tier or just below it. Wrap it up. That's yeah. it, right? All right, guys. Keep tabs on us all week. We're going to be at the Combine behind the scenes hoping to give you guys uh, just a really good look at what we're doing down there. Of course, uh, free agency is right around the corner. We'll be, uh, you know, tackling a lot more of that in, the, in recent, in the, in the coming weeks. And Mike Renner and I will be here previewing the on-field combine action later in the week. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Talk to you Thursday. <laughs>